Brothers and sisters, we are in the middle of a book called Don't Give Up by Kyle Eidelman. And the main scripture is uh, throughout the book is what Tana read just a little bit ago, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. And the scripture assumes something that I think we need to ask ourselves, and that is this. Do you know that you are in a race right now? Do you know that you're in a race right now? Often we don't think of ourselves as in a race. And often you think a race, you think you're competing against another person. It's really not that kind of a race, but there is a journey of sorts. You're going somewhere, or at least there, God has set before you a way of going somewhere and running a race. And because of that, by very nature of that race, we have to learn to be conditioned to run that race well. It's not a hundred meter dash. It's not you know, 13 seconds of glory and then it's over. Uh, we're talking marathon-esque. We're talking a race that is over the course of our lives. What that means is that we must have a rhythm. We must have a pace. Uh, we must have the ability to run this race and be in it for the long haul. And in such a race, we have to have some kind of hope that, uh, that there's something out there that we're going for. We're not just running to run, but there's a prize. There's something as we run our race that we get to receive as well. Last week, we looked at the first three chapters of this book where Kyle Eidelman encourages his readers to keep the faith or keep believing, using Abraham as a great example of that, to keep fighting, uh, using Jacob as an example of that, and then to keep perspective, keep ourselves in good perspective. And I added to that, make sure we have people around us to help us to know where we're at in the race. Because when you're in the middle of the race or the battle, it's easy to lose heart and it's easily easy to lose focus. So it is utterly important and absolutely essential as followers of Christ that we be a people who learn how to keep that faith and who learn how to keep that perseverance and to not lose heart. That is a part of all of our journey. So today we turn to a different part of that scripture, which has to do with throwing off the weight. As Hebrews 12 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. There are a lot of things that weigh us down in life. Sometimes we take those things and we throw them on ourselves. Sometimes other people put those on us. And sometimes we're just running and we get snagged by something and it just kind of falls on us. Sometimes we are carrying weight and we don't even know it. It's kind of like that person who grows up in a dysfunctional family and then they, they either marry into or they, they become friends with someone who's in what we might call a less dysfunctional family, a more normal family. And then they begin to realize, oh, the family I grew up in was crazy. Now I see, I thought I was living a normal life and now I see this is closer to normal. I think in the same way, a lot of times we might be carrying weight and we don't even know it. We're just assuming that this is the way life is. This is the way God made me to run my race. And that yet God might be calling us to drop some weight, to throw some things off. That's sure what Hebrews 12 seems to be saying to us today. So one of those weights that has to be considered in our world is the weight of, I'm going to say it, anxiety. Just saying the word Anxiety causes some of us to be a little more anxious, doesn't it? We live in a world 
that is very anxious. Anxiety comes from many places. And anxiety is not always a bad thing. In fact, I think that God wired all of us to have a little bit of anxiety every now and then. If we did not have anxiety, we would probably not avoid the things that are catastrophic in life for us. Some of us are more disposed to anxiety than others. It's the way that we're wired. And, and people who do that kind of have this ability to be anxious about many things. And some people hear these words of anxiety and they think, oh yeah, God is speaking to me right there. While anxiety can be normal, it's become a problem in our culture. Too much anxiety can cripple people in fear, robbing them of joy gratitude, peace, freedom, the ability to make a decision, and confidence. It becomes a roadblock on this race that we are called to run. Furthermore, anxiety is on the rise in our culture. One of the quotes in the book is from Robert Leahy, who says that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. I don't know how you measure that, but you look at that and that seems to probably be true. If someone who was around in the 50s may be able to attest to that. Isn't that crazy though? We live in a day and age where for many people the quality of life is better than ever before in the history of humanity. And yet we are also, in times and places, some of the most anxious people to ever exist. How in the world is that possible? Let's take a look at where anxiety comes from. Maybe that'll help us out. Adelman mentions several potential causes or roots of anxiety. One is what he calls the unknown. The unknown. Now, there are some people who are much better than this at others. And they are really good because their brains know how to do this cause and effect thing of all the possibilities of everything that could ever happen to you for the rest of eternity. They say these two words with a question mark after it. And those two words are, what if? What if? Do we have any what if people out there? You don't have to raise your hand. What if he calls my name? I don't know. What if? Now, some people live with that question more than others. I have to say that I don't, my brain is not smart enough to live with the what if question. I'm just too lazy to think of 1,000 possibilities on the what if. I think I'd rather just get hit by a bus than ask five billion times in my life, what if I get hit by a bus, okay? So that's kind of where I'm wired, but other people aren't wired that way. And the good thing is those people have this ability to really kind of see and navigate in some ways kind of all the possible consequences of life. But the negative side is sometimes those very same folks can get bogged down in the what ifs and they just get stuck and they get paralyzed in the fear of what if the unknown is a huge factor in anxiety another one is what we he calls the unlikely things that are out there but they're very unlikely to happen we see this in the news all the time i believe that really our culture and our news runs on the fuel of anxiety if we were not an anxious people, then the news would not really have anything to hook us with. Think about it. Most of the news you see out there is playing us, playing us on our anxiety or our propensity to be anxious about something. 
How many times do we read the news and we don't get anxious? And yet, we're kind of addicted to it in some ways. For me personally, I try to kind of put some boundaries in my life so that, that news doesn't get pushed to me. Um, for example, on my phone, I don't have notifications that show up when breaking news happens. I have to go fetch it out of my phone. So I get to determine when that information comes to me. I get to determine when I want to go and seek out what's going on. And I choose uh, different certain news outlets that are try to be a little more objective and truthful than kind of throwing more opinions out. That just helps me and my, uh, to manage my own anxiety level in my life. The next one, he says, is the uncontrollable. You know, it's really hard for us as Americans in the 21st century to accept that there are actual things in our lives that we can control. We can control more now than we've ever been able to control in the history of the world. And yet what that's done is it's conditioned us to believe that we should be able to control everything. Brothers and sisters, we are not called or meant to be the controllers of the universe. There's a place where we have to say, this is the bounds where I am not in control. That's the really the worship business that we're in here, is coming to that place where we understand that we're treading on ground that was not meant for us to tread on. I love the serenity prayer. It goes like this. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. If we have wisdom to know what's within our realm of control, what's really been entrusted to us, and what we can say that's not in my realm of control, the more we kind of know where that line is in our life, the less anxious we are likely to be. Often our anxiety is because we're trying to control things that are outside of our capacity to do that. Now, those are some of the things that Eidelman says are sources of anxiety. The unknown, the unlikely, and the uncontrollable. I'm going to add one more because I think it's valuable. And that's what I would simply call the unbearable. The unbearable. Let's take a look at the way that we're spending our lives as a culture in large. Okay? For example, let's think about our time. The amount of time that is given to us and what we do with that time. We, as a society, have too many commitments, doing too many things, and then as a result of that, we have no margin of time. Think about this in your life. The fact that you're here at 9.30 on a daylight savings time morning probably means that you have some margin in your life enough to say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to choose to do that. That's a great thing. But there could be some other areas in your life, and I know there are in mine, when I look around and I see my time and I think, yeah, there are times when I am doing too much. I'm committed beyond what I can do. Are you ever in a hurry? Are you ever behind? Do you ever feel like you're not doing enough? Are you unable to fulfill your commitments to other people like you want to or think you should be doing? If you are, then you probably have some anxiety. Now, the, the goal there is not to get rid of your anxiety and keep going at an unsustainable pace. The goal there is to listen to your anxiety and to maybe cease some of your commitments. Maybe manage your time a little better. 
Another unbearable burden that we're not meant to carry is how we steward the money that's entrusted unto us. How many people in our culture are in debt? How many of us are writing checks that we can't cash? How many of us are spending in places where we don't have to spend? And that should cause some anxiety in our lives. And that anxiety should lead us to a place where we say, God, would you show me how to be a better steward of my money? And whatever that means and whatever that looks like in my life. Another way that we have an unbearable load and weight in our life is what I simply call too much information. We have a lot of information coming in in our brains and in our minds. Too much to keep up with, too many decisions to make. Think about the process of making a decision. You make a major decision in your life. Kim shared earlier about a kind of a career change. That's normal anxiety, okay? But we have this every single day. Whether you're deciding on a political candidate, whether you're deciding on what to believe about a certain issue, whether you're deciding on whether to have baseball practice this afternoon, it's kind of where I'm at right now. Too much information. What do we do with all that? I've preached on this many times, but I think it just needs to keep being said. Does anybody know what this is right here? It's a phone, right? You know what another word for this Portal. Well, someone said leash. Is that right? Yeah. Portal. Okay. There's probably a lot of words for this. This is a portal. A portal through which many things can come. I think these, these little things, they, they give us so much information, we don't always know what to do with it. And anytime we have more information that we can process, it causes anxiety. So therefore, it is up to us to limit the amount of information that's coming to us so that we can say, no, nope, that's not worth my time. That's not worth thinking about. I'm going to be a good steward of the information that is coming my way so as to not be an overly anxious person. I think these little suckers right here are deceptive. They, they are so beneficial in so many ways, and they seem so innocent, don't they? They seem so innocent, like they're just going to help you to have a better life. And yet the deception is that they become a conduit of anxiety. It's not like some foreign empire is going to come in and try to wipe us out. And yet these are the conduit through which so many sources of anxiety come through. I think that's part of the trick is these little things we don't think they're powerful, and we underestimate how powerful they can be. And they're right there underneath, underneath the radar. If not used wisely, they become a threat to your race, your journey of following Christ. A part of the solution to all this, it goes back really to the ancient commands that God gave the Israelites. When God rescued his children out of slavery, he gave them several commands, and one of those was the Sabbath. The Israelites had been slaves for 400 or so years, and they'd worked every single day, 365 days a year. And so God had to break them of that. He had to rehab and reform and reshape them into a new rhythm of life, and he had to command them to use the Sabbath, to reshape them. They had been slaves to Pharaoh. They needed to be retrained to learn to be as free people. Just as we sang today, if the sun sets free, you are free indeed. I think that today we're not really slaves to some empire or to Pharaoh, but 
If you're in my phase of life, there's all kinds of things we could be slaves to. We could be slaves to our kids' sports schedules. I feel that pressure all the time. We could be slaves to academics or to work or even slaves to entertainment, the false escape. Yes, mindless entertainment. These might not be considered work in the same way that God commanded the Israelites not to work, but they are also not rest, and they are not good substitutes for Sabbath keeping. I believe that Sabbath keeping still holds true for us. Not just coming to church on Sunday, but carving out a day in our life, in in the week of our life, where we do things differently, where we say, I'm going to set this aside because I am a child of God. I think that there is a direct relationship between the loss of Sabbath keeping and the rise of anxiety in our culture. That might be worth pondering a little more. As a people of faith in Jesus, we have an antidote to anxiety that the world is not familiar with. The world has to settle for psychologists and psychiatrists and medication. Some of those are good things. But in addition to those, and even beneath those and foundational, we have a God who is eternal. That we come and worship all the time. That you can pray to every minute of every hour of every day. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Edelman says, Please don't hear me putting down medication and professional help. For some people on the anxiety spectrum, those things are appropriate. But I do worry that more and more we turn to popping a pill, taking a drink, watching porn, or shopping as a quick fix when we should be casting our anxiety on God. People of faith, we have a God who wants us to take the weight and cast it onto him. He's there waiting to catch it, waiting to bear it. As God's holy people, casting our weight off should be our forte. That's really kind of part of what Lent is about. It's about getting rid of the unnecessary, the things that entangle us, the things that hold us back. When we confess our sin, we're casting off our weight. When we rearrange our priorities in life, we're casting off our weight. But we're not just throwing it to the side of the road. We're putting our weight on Christ. Lord, take this worry. I can't handle it. Lord, take this concern. I don't know what to do with it. Lord, take all my what-ifs. I take them and I lay them down at the foot of the cross. What are you doing with the anxiety in your life? God wants us to get down on our knees, to let go of our anxieties as a way of worship. In verse 2, the writer instructs us to look to Jesus. It says to consider Him. One of the ways that we can do that is as we pray, imagine Jesus hanging there on a cross. When you're praying through your anxieties and lifting your burdens before God, just imagine Jesus dying on a cross. It kind of changes things. 
But Jesus on the cross was meant to take on the sin and the weight of the world. He can handle your problems. He can handle our challenges. Take those and say, Lord, I put these on you. I consider you. I look to you. I transfer them from me to you. King David knew how to do this. When you look and you read through the Psalms, often they start out with this negative tone. Because David, through a large part of his life, was simply running for his life, hiding in rocks and caves when people are trying to kill him. And so sometimes the Psalms would start out with something like, why is my life so hard? Why is my life so bad? Why does life stink? That's how some of the Psalms start out. And then it kind of goes to this place where David kind of gets it all out. And then it ends in a place where he says, I will rejoice in my God. I will trust my God. I love my God. My God will be there for me. That's the process of casting off anxiety. As Eidelman says, so many psalms begin in the doldrums and they end in worship. When we worship God, we humble ourselves. We admit that we cannot solve our problems on our own. We admit that the, we need the help of a Savior. That's what worship is. When we worship, we humble ourselves. Worship is a powerful antidote to anxiety because worship and worry aren't compatible with each other. As a people of faith, we really should be the least anxious people on the present, on the planet. And so let me invite you to consider your own anxiety. Where's the angst in your life and in your heart? Is it about something you're going through? Is it about maybe somebody you love, your kids, your parents, your friends? Is it about decisions in your life? Is it about the unknown, the uncontrollable? Maybe you just have too many things going on and you need to unload some things and let it go. Maybe you're trying to please too many people. Maybe you're trying to do too many things. God calls us to live a, a life that is not driven by or controlled by anxiety. So listen to your anxiety. Let's lay down before the Lord. Let's cast on Him what He wants us to give to Him today. Let us humble ourselves and let go of our lives in His presence and wait for the peace that He offers. Let us pray. Lord, we lay down our lives before You. We realize that in giving our lives over to You, that You take our fears and our anxieties into yourself. And we ask as we do that in our lives that you would give us peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Let us throw off the weight. Let us be a people who cast it upon you because we know you love us, because we know you care for us, because we know that you have given your life over on our behalf. We come and we exchange our anxiety for your grace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.